Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a flare route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. So guys, I feel like it's been ages since I've been on and really I've just missed one show. So um, glad to be back with you guys in, in the current state that I'm in. Well, not anymore, but the current state that I was in uh, about 24 hours ago and 48 hours ago, even worse. Um, a flare route's about all I can muster right now in this heat. So um, next week I'll hit a double move on you and score a touchdown, but it's about all I can muster is to get a first down. So All right. Well, uh, then picking up the slack for you uh, on our last show, the third amigo in the second city, a man who in an ideal world would store all of his liquor in a globe. It's our intrepid well, blogger what? from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I mean, I don't even know where to go with that one. Let's just start the show. Nice. Um, uh, we have to go no huddle today, uh, seeing as that we did not get a full recap show in earlier this week due to... Well, one uh, of us chose to not drink water all week. Yes, uh, <laughs> Coach. Thank you for being dehydrated. Um, so uh, we might as well just uh, give the folks at home a quick little recap of... Uh, last week and before we jump into this week uh, let's start uh, speaking of the coach in the SEC not a ton of um, you know big news coming out of the conference I I suppose the biggest thing would be Auburn looking like you know a potential top five team in really just putting the hammer down on Mississippi State yeah I I was not expecting that I was going to tune into that game excited because um, I kind of figured another game we're going to talk about uh, was going to kind of – I wasn't surprised about the other game that we're going to talk about later ending up the way it did. But, I mean, I turned it on. It was already 21 nothing. I was like, what in the hell? Um, yeah, Auburn was just clicking on all cylinders. The defensive line was suffocating Mississippi State. Uh, Bo Nix is starting to look like a veteran. Uh, where what else? Uh, I mean, it's just everything's clicking. That yeah, um, they look Saturday, and it it was it was unreal. Yeah, they look they look excellent. I was at uh, Northern Illinois and Vandy. In case you were wondering how I spent my Saturday, um, uh, Vandy got their first win of the season. It wasn't pretty, but uh, their their defense looked uh, pretty solid throughout. Uh, Alabama just put up a ton of points and yards in uh their you know slaughter of Ole Miss uh Devontae Smith five touchdowns uh receiving Florida beat Towson who cares about that Texas A&M beat um an in-conference opponent and South Carolina uh took out Kentucky pretty handily 24 to 7. Yeah Um, that was that one surprised me a little bit too I thought that was going to be a little bit more back and forth but it just doesn't seem it just seems like 
Kentucky just all the wind out of their sails when 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 um, starting quarterback goes down. It just it just it just crumpled them. And uh, Sawyer Smith, poor guy, just can't. It's just not getting it done. Yeah, Josh, over in the Big Ten, uh, the big game heading into the weekend was uh, Ohio State-Nebraska, and that was ugly from the get-go for the Huskers. No, we said what the Huskers needed to do to even be competitive was play mistake-free football, and they could not have turnovers. They had about a million turnovers, and that was the game. It was, and Ohio State just jumped on them early, 38 nothing at halftime, uh, and, you, you know, it was over then. Um, Josh, uh, I, I picked Maryland to cover the spread against Penn State. I did not see I don't 59. think they did. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, unless you got them plus 60 somehow because, my Lord, that was a beatdown to end all beatdowns. Um, almost as bad as uh, the State University of New Jersey's loss in the big house. Michigan was able to bounce back after losing in Madison two weeks ago to uh, beat Rutgers uh, handily. Uh, Michigan State. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it, don't just gloss over that. Rutgers had their first coach fired. <laughs> Okay. As a result, well, I, I was, mean, okay. Then, then let's go there. Uh, I mean, it's it's really simple. Um, he's one of the worst football coaches in terms of results. Um, obviously, he did well as a defensive coordinator. He's uh, considered to be a stand-up guy and all that stuff. It just didn't work at Rutgers. Um, it, it was bad enough that I don't see him ever getting another head coaching job um, unless it's at a very little school, um, you know, steps out of a power conference type thing because his time at Rutgers was just unbelievably bad. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. So um, I'm I'm not sure how he gets hired as anything higher at at a power five school is anything better than a position coach at this point. Well, I mean, he, he, he did have some good defense to say the least. Okay. Um, but just, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, how bad he was, um, he finished eight and 32, three and 26. And uh, I think it's pretty safe to say he's by far the worst coach results wise in the big 10 since Northwestern's uh, Rick Venturi, who, for those of you that don't know who he was, uh, 78, 79, 80, he was with Northwestern, and he went a uh, one and thirty-one and one, and went o twenty-six and one in conference. Um, he had two o and nine Big Ten seasons. So did Chris Ash. So yeah, it was it's about a well, probably about a season and a half <laughs> uh, too late. I, I think it was pretty apparent that he was not the right man for the job, and. I would have fired him after the 2018 season for sure. I, I'm not sure what they got to see in these four games. But. Well, I was going to say, Coach, uh, about that two things. First of all, firing a guy four games into a season seems a bit ludicrous to me. I, You know, it, you, you haven't even made it halfway through the season and you're firing the coach. I mean, you're completely throwing the weight of the season, not that they had anywhere to go to begin with. But secondly, looking at this program going forward, I'm of the opinion that they need to hire someone who has been a head coach before. They can't go 
a hot coordinator route. They ha- they need to go with someone who has been able to build up a program um, from you know the the depths of uh, you know, a, a place like maybe somewhere like Eastern Michigan, uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, up until a couple of years ago was, uh, you know, one of the worst football programs in the, in the country. And, you know, now they've, you know, gone to what, two bowls in the last three years, Josh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that would be a perfect, perfect fit at Rutgers. Somebody who, uh, brought a program from obscurity into uh, Mac relevance would be Lance Leopold at Buffalo. Ooh, yeah. be a perfect hire because he's just going right across the state, uh, across the line into New Jersey. And- I mean, to be fair, it's an eight-hour drive from Buffalo to uh, Piscataway. Yeah, I mean that's I mean right down the road, so to speak. I mean you're, I mean I, I think that would be somebody that would know how to rebuild a program. And I mean, you're right there next to New York, uh, New York city. Uh, there there's, you're in a fairly, as far as the region goes, you're in a, you're in the most talent rich state in that region. So if you can at least come in and do some good things, you might be able to take some of those recruits that, you know, you might be able to steal one or two recruits away from, uh, like Penn State or Pitt or, you know, where, where they go out of state, they might choose, okay, so Rutgers is on the rise and they might be able to build something slowly. Uh, but I think he's somebody that knows how, how to do things. You can't have somebody in that situation learn on the job because they'll never make it. I'll tell you a name that's that's been batting around message boards. Um, this is not – Greg Schiano. Well, no, his name has, but he, he, did, he um, did quit the Patriots so he could get the Rutgers job. Um, but no, he. This is not a rumor. This is just like aspirational claims by random people on a message board. I'm oh, not sure. saying there's any smoke here, but um, seen it on Rutgers message boards. I've also seen it, believe it or not, on Maryland boards. Uh, who would have guessed that after a two and two start that brought their coach's record to uh, five and thirty three? Uh, that honeymoon wasn't going to last very long. But uh, Jeff Munkin's name, both fan bases have a segment that are basically writing off the ability to ever recruit good enough offensive lines for the Big Ten and have basically gone, well, let's do the triple option thing because then we can just cut block and we're good to go. Paul Johnson is available. He is, but – you know, he's been retired for a month. <laughs> you can hire Spurrier. He's available. That's not a triple option. Willie Fritz. No. Willie Fritz? There's Could no work. way he leaves Tulane. To no. There's no way he leaves Tulane for Rutgers for a variety of reasons. Uh, in all seriousness, I think R- Willie Fritz, having coached pretty much as far as I know in the South, I think he's waiting for either ACC or SEC job to open up. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's worse places to be than Bourbon Street. So I think he's in a pretty safe place for his uh, happiness. I would certainly Yeah, I mean, so. that, that, would, that would be an interesting search on, on, on kind of seeing what they do. I, I think they need to hire somebody close to that region, Um Maybe interesting. Maybe, maybe go Hansel. like the F, maybe. I <laughs> uh, hear he's available. 
Um, <laughs> Soon to be. <laughs> maybe see what UConn's doing. Um, Going to D2. They, they could hire. I have a uh, perfect solution, by the way. Connecticut wants some wins. Go hire the University of Maine's coach. No, I've, gentlemen, I've got an amazing plan. Okay. What's your name? Uh, little school in Iowa, Grinnell, mm. has had a rash of injuries. Yes. They're down oh, to like, this. They're down to like 25 players who are healthy, so they've decided to forfeit the remainder of the season. You slide Connecticut into that D3 schedule, they might pick up a win or two. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, that game at Coe College is going to be really tough. (laughs) Hey, my dad played football for Grinnell. I know. The proud pioneers. They're more of a basketball school, to be fair. Listen, uh, uh, Coe College, uh, the uh, alma mater of uh, one Fred Jackson, former uh, former Buffalo Bill grade. Do you know their mascot? Do you know Coe College's mascot? Uh, I believe you're going to tell me. It's the Co College Cohawks. The Cohawks. C O E hyphen H A W K. Did you just say the Cohawks? Cohawks. Cohawks. Co College. That's almost as good as the Mobile Bay Bay Bears. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, somehow that ends us or gets us back to the ACC. Um, Clemson barely held on. Uh, uh, because of a failed two-point conversion by the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill, Josh. Uh, personally, uh, love the concept, hate the play call there. How did you feel about the two-point conversion? My sentiments, exactly. Um, Got to go for the win there if you're Mac Brown. Uh, you're rebuilding, shows confidence in the kids, shows aggressiveness. Um, love it. Uh, just probably a little too cute on that play call going well, after also, Clemson's who, strength on the line. Yeah, why would you? Why would you run the triple option there? Uh, like, just I'll, you always you, you run a passing play with. I mean, coach. I mean, it, two point conversion. You're always going to run some sort of uh, play where there's quarterback is probably scrambling one direction or another. Correct. Yeah, I'm probably roll out. I'm probably setting up on the left hash and either kind of throwing a smash concept and just laying one up on the back pylon for my for my best guy or um i'm gonna sprint out and see if i can't get a uh see if i can't get an open pass or uh just run it in so like you know what like a play action bootleg you know what i love a lot of times works what i love down there especially a two-point conversion you do a pick you do a pick play Mm -hmm. your guy's wide open if the ref calls it you just go and kick the point after yeah. Seems like a win-win. And yeah. if, the, if the ref misses it, then, hey, you've just won the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also on those uh, play-action bootlegs, the, the overdrag that comes from the uh, run fake from the tight end is usually wide open. So if the quarterback rolls out, everybody's going to sprint heavily to the quarterback. If he yeah. just sets his feet, turns, and fires it to the to the drag, that's usually open. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't feel like you're doing a lot of like play action there necessarily. I think everyone knows that it's going to be a pass play coming for the most part, which is maybe why they went with the triple option. Maybe that was the thought, but you know, I, I still feel like you got to go with some sort of rollout play in that situation. Um, the flip side, just Clemson seems off, and um, Lawrence is definitely off. Yeah, 
I think it's just maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump. Um, I don't know how focused he was on stuff. Um, seems like whenever I was watching something on ESPN, it was like he was at the Manning quarterback camp or he's doing this or doing that. And, um, you know, they're still one of the best teams and Lawrence's track record is pretty dang good. I, I don't think there's cause for concern. It also helps that they're in the ACC and not the SEC. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they run the table and, win the ACC and make it to the playoffs again. But um, just, I don't know, something to keep a keep an eye on as we go throughout the rest of the season. Another thing to keep an eye on as we go through the rest of the season. Uh, Justin Fuente's job status, if we're going to re- talk about the ACC. Yeah, well, that was my next question. Is, <laughs> is, is I mean, getting smoked by Duke at home is not a very good look for anyone. Uh-uh. And you know, you know, Beamer's got to be like, come on, man. I spent 25 years, 30 years building this thing. and well, They were honoring the 99 team, and Michael Vick and Beamer were on the sideline. I didn't see them in the second half. They might not have hung around after halftime. Hmm, Be- Beamer was, was going to get a workout on because he knew he was going to have to come back and save the program again. Well, I mean. Is he going to Bill Snyder this one? Yeah, I think so. Look, Wouldn't shock me. Look, Justin Fuente had a nice track record at Memphis, but he wasn't there all that long. And on top of that, when they hired him, they did this weird, like, you get the job, but you're keeping Bud Foster whether you want him or not. So, like, basically the guy that was the other candidate for the job, they're smashed together into this weird marriage. Um and now Bud Foster's retiring. What is Bud Foster's incentive to care about the defense to make it look good? The the defense has been atrocious this year. The offense up until the Duke game had been at least somewhat functional. Um but like this thing's a disaster and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it cost Fuente his job. I talked about that in the preview show. I, there's a lot of stink in Gobbler Nation. Gobbler Nation. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 getting bad up there. And, yeah. in, in but Hoke- hey, you in know, Hokeyville. but hey, Cutcliffe, unbelievable track record as a coach outside of a couple seasons down there at Mississippi, and uh, he knows quarterbacks obviously pretty well, and. Quentin Harris, man, who would have guessed that Duke would have uh, just reloaded instead of rebuilding the quarterback position with a fifth-year senior who used to be a walk-on? <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, Ole Miss is dumb for letting him go. <laughs> just think how – Well, no, you, 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 could, you could just remove the for letting him go off of that sentence and you'd still be correct. Mm. Yeah, they're just dumb, but like – Come on, man. Like, he, yeah. like the, oh. he had the Manning seal of approval. I don't know what other Ole Miss family that you need approval from than the Mannings. And you fire the guy because he didn't – I mean, God almighty. Well, it, what did Robert E. Lee's descendants say? <laughs> they probably would have supported Cut, too. 
<laughs> he got results. Yeah. Uh, th- this is totally tangential. Uh, but so Ole Miss played Cal and the same week that Arkansas played San Jose State. This was two weeks ago. Uh, how about some unfortunate scheduling that sometimes happens uh, to these lovable Mountain West teams? Uh, San Jose State didn't spend the weekend in Arkansas. They took a 4 a.m. flight back to San Jose. So basically their Sunday was trash, and I'm assuming their Monday wasn't particularly productive either. And they then turned around and played a Friday game at altitude in Air Force. Uh, predictably, they lost, but that oh is that is a turnaround gosh. right there. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, they were probably on a Thursday flight, maybe. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, that's terrible. There you go. What else should we recap from the weekend? Uh, Notre Dame, Virginia. Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's yeah. defense showed up. Eight eight sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, that Virginia, was fun. Pitt Virginia had the, scrapped. Virginia scrapped hard. I, though. They I, had I a tried to lead. tell people that Notre Dame is trying to be for real this year, and I hate to say that. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but Notre Dame is playing some damn good football right now. <laughs> Um, and Virginia is also starting to become a contender in the ACC. Let's 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 go back in the wayback machine when they hired Bronco Mendenhall. What is it that I said? I said if you be patient, he's going to build you into a contender. What have they? What has Virginia done? They just patient. That. And what are they now? Contenders. So. Yes. Well, they're definitely more of a contender than Georgia Tech is. They lost to Temple 24-2. to two. <laughs> I um, love in, that. In one of my favorite scores of the they week. Only, they only got 12'd up. <laughs> 12'd up. Uh, over in the Big 12. Uh, That's a lot oh, of two-run doubles. <laughs> over in the Big 12, uh, Oklahoma State uh, beat Kansas State at home 26-13. Chuba Hubbard. Uh, another game, um, another 296 yards um, on 25 carries. Um, and uh, elsewhere, Baylor won a just an absolute insane finish uh, to beat Iowa State by two, 23-21. Uh, yeah, this game, this game has some aspects that kind of pissed me off to say the least do tell so so it's being played in a god-awful heat wave triple digits in waco they didn't change the kickoff from high noon and then um was gary cooper calling the game and then baylor and iowa state both put up like some tents for shade and Baylor complained about it, and Big 12 officials told them to take down their tents. Just the Iowa State side, not Baylor. So Iowa State is in the sun on the bench in 100-degree air temperature weather during the game. They said that the temperature on the field on Iowa State's bench was 145 degrees. Um, It's really, really nice that people care about player safety. That is just straight-up bullshit. Yeah, that 
that makes I don't think that makes us like Baylor anymore than we already don't. I was gonna say that that is I'm uh, that goes beyond gamesmanship and it like there's some things you can do gamesmanship wise. That's definitely not one of them. Yeah, you already had them on the sun side anyway. Like, just whatever. Um, in in the words of uh, Captain Renault, I am shocked, shocked <laughs> to see uh, Baylor doing something uh, that is aligned with malfeasance here. Yeah. Wow. Um, in the Pac-12, uh, the, their one and only hope for an unbeaten team uh, is now over. Uh, Cal went out and lost to Arizona State at home uh, on Friday night. Uh, the tail end of that when I got home. Yeah, yeah. Washington Washington beat USC uh, pretty handily. That defense looked really good. Um, uh, Utah beat uh, Washington State, and now best Cougars- press conference ever. Uh, Mike Leach called his team fat, dumb, happy, and entitled, <laughs> well, and soft. That. Other than that, how are things All right, going? Carry on. Yeah. Uh, Arizona beat uh, UCLA in a nail biter, uh, mm. 20 to 17. Um, and uh, Stanford <laughs> Stanford needed to hold on against uh, a late charging Oregon State to win 31 to 28. Um, there you go. We how about learned. The bees? Well, uh, some random fun stuff that I just wanted to fly through real quick that you didn't mention, Coach. Or Matt, uh, Iowa, most yards in the Kirk Ferentz era, 644. That was pretty cool. Topping 614 from a couple years ago. Uh, Minnesota, 4-0, and uh, beat Purdue in classic Minnesota fashion. They jumped out to a 38-17 to lead and then didn't score in the fourth quarter, gave up 14 points and held on. Uh, that was pretty funny. And uh, guess who uh, had this happen to them? Uh, not a Big Ten team. That's the only hint I'll give you. So uh, this particularly particular team was down 31-27. Four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So they're driving cross, the mid- boat. cross midfield. They are facing a fourth and two right at the 50. Four-yard pass. Pick it up on the fourth down. Awesome. The drive continues. They get into a third and 17. False start. Back up now a third and 22 with 34 seconds left. A 17-yard run. Take the timeout. So a fourth and five, they've already converted one fourth down. They just need five yards for a first. They're 19 yards away from a touchdown and a win. Incomplete pass. Who would have created all that hope and all that drama of an awesome Mm 17-yard scramble followed by the agony of screwing it up? Pig suey. It was woo pig suey. (laughs) I was watching that. I saw that exact sequence. <laughs> Pig Suey. When he made the scramble, I thought they were going to win. I know. I was like, oh, I was like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> I was texting you guys about that. I remember that. I was like, oh, way it ends on the ropes here. 
<laughs> Hold the phone. And then then that. Then that. And then they just they be lament all over themselves. Well, that happens. Yeah. You like my adjective? I did. Uh, another it. another game I said. Uh, Georgia I, remained undefeated this weekend. That was good. Yeah. Actually, another game I forgot that I, I wanted to talk about. The B- classic, uh, classic pulling defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, the meltdown, the utter meltdown BYU had against Toledo was uh, fairly comical. Uh, so a little context on this one. First of all, burner in the first half, seven to three, halftime lead for BYU. Uh, but they they get things going. They get up 14 to six. Well, then give that up. But then they regain the lead, 21-14. Okay. Things are going well. Things are going well. Later, it's tied at 21. Um, they have a turnover on downs. Okay. So the game's still tied. Fine. But then they force a fumble. Ooh. They, they succeeded. They get the ball back. Next play, interception. Um, the interception was returned 40 yards to the two-yard line. And uh, one play later, Toledo scored and wins the game. <laughs> like, what? Turnover on downs, then a fumble, then an interception, then you lose. Oops. Yikes. That's, a, that's what we like to call a turnover situation. Is, is, that, is, that, is that bad? Thank, thank God. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing they beat Tennessee earlier in the season. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Anyway, I think we recapped last weekend well enough. Let's preview some games. All right. Well, uh, the first one we should get to, Josh, uh, your adopted uh, team this year, the Eastern Michigan Screaming Eagles. The Screaming Mean Eagles, yeah. Uh, they are playing another directional Michigan school, this time in Kalamazoo. Yeah, a little road trip. Uh, not Kalamazoo, that is Western Michigan. Wow, they're to, I am they're going to <laughs> They're going to wow. Mount Pleasant I am for Central Michigan. Tonight. It happens. There's three schools all with a direction in that. Yeah, but Ypsilanti um, and Kalamazoo are yeah. the, or should be the easy ones. Yeah, so, um, well, Central in the uh, Shark Humpers debut season is two and three. Um, they, they, beat, they beat FCS Albany and then proceeded to get absolutely obliterated 61-0 by Wisconsin. Then they beat Akron, who uh, just got smoked by UMass. Akron is uh, one of the probably three or four worst teams in the entire country. Um, and then Central, since then, lost a road trip at Miami by five. And then what's really – that's Miami, Florida, not Miami of Ohio. And then they went to Western Michigan, lost by 16. So, theoretically, the Broncos should be able to beat Miami. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough to see really what uh, Central Michigan does particularly well, um, whereas Eastern has – had some pretty nice gritty performances. Uh, their defense has a little bit of an attitude uh, at times, although their points per game aren't great. Um, but what is nice is Mike Glass the third. I've talked about him before. Uh, through four games, he's got 1,120 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, not bad to have a guy averaging three touchdowns a game. 
Yeah, not bad at all. Coach, uh, Georgia State um, is at home this weekend, and they are welcoming in uh, Arkansas State uh, second trip to the uh, to the state of Georgia in the last what three or four weeks, I think. Yeah, uh, I think this one's going to fare better for the for the Red Wolves. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, coach they, your Georgia yeah, state squad, not quite as good as your actual dogs. Yeah. I, when I adopted them, I, I knew I was in for a challenge here. Um, you know, uh, Arkansas state, they, uh, they had a 50, 43 win over Troy lane Hatcher, uh, passed for four forty and four touchdowns. Uh, he had a 92 yard bomb actually to Omar Bayless in the first quarter. Um, so they're explosive offensively. Um, they, uh, you know, uh, in Georgia State again, um, they should have beat up on a very lowly um, down Texas State team, um, but they were just – they were on the short end of a 37-34 loss. So, um, just Georgia State just still struggling. Uh, they're, they're two – they are two and two. They have some uh, – they're stumbling in the game, um, limping in, I should say. Um, they are giving up the fourth most rushing touchdowns. Um, that's 13 on the season. So um, that's no bueno. They're the seventh worst in y- yards allowed with 500 on average. Um, so you do the math here. It's not going to look pretty. So I hate to say that. They're my dot the team. I hope, I hope they do well. But um, it's going to be a minute before they become the best team in Atlanta. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Georgia Tech scored two points last week, so yeah, they're not they're not as far away as I probably think, but still, yeah. Um, they beat uh, Arkansas State, then we'll talk. Well, they did fin- beat Tennessee. Finally, uh, East Carolina, uh, my my adopted team is actually playing as we uh, are, are recording here on Thursday night. Uh, just got into the fourth quarter. Uh, they are losing to Temple twenty four to ten. Last week they needed. Uh, every last second that they could get in order to beat Old Dominion 24-21. It was not the prettiest of games. Um, I am a little bit concerned about uh, the ECU offense, actually. Um, They're fighting hard, though. Temple's a good team. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I really just don't feel like they have the, you know, I, I really don't feel like they have the personnel, or they're not—they're not, they're not meshing right. Yeah. So far. Well, because... actually, you know what? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, just real quick, instant uh, coaching analysis. Oh. Um, coach Eastern, I've got this game on my TV. Um, uh-huh. As we record, Eastern is down fourteen points, twenty-four ten. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter just started. Fourteen minutes, sixteen seconds left. Uh, Eastern hasn't really done anything all game. They have a fourth and about three fourths of a yard uh, from their three quarters of a yard. Yeah. From their own uh, 45 yard line. Go for it. Well, they punted. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, shit, you're down two scores. You don't know how many possessions you're going to get legitimately. So go for it. With you there. Yeah. With you there. Three quarters of a yard. Go for it. In that situation, like if it's third quarter, sure, punt it. If your offense is sniffing some semblance of moving the ball and you're just kind of coming up short, sure, punt it because 
you, you might be on something. But you don't know how, like I said, you can't guarantee, you might get two possessions, so you're just really limiting yourself. Go for it. While you still got the ball. You might as well. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, head from our adopted teams to one of our uh, dyed-in-the-wool teams. Uh, Josh, it is yeah. the battle for the Cook family this weekend. Yeah. Josh versus Jared. Uh, um, not really. <laughs> Iowa versus Michigan. Um, well, I mean, really, since graduating, Jared and I have both – come back home come back home so we will both be in black and gold i'm sure so So, um either way iowa playing michigan uh this weekend um i am surprised michigan is a favorite at home this weekend josh frankly i know that they're you know they're, they're they're michigan but to me iowa is better on the defensive line then their defensive line is far superior to Michigan's offensive line and Iowa's offensive line is superior to Michigan's defensive line. And in big 10 football, if you win both sides of the trenches, you're going to win the game. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. So am I wrong? Um, I, I will agree that Michigan's defensive line has not played up to expectations at all. And, we mentioned it after the Wisconsin game, or I did at least, that uh, Don Brown's defense is so aggressive that when you start to play competent teams, it's kind of backfiring. They get out of position a whole lot, um, and teams kind of take advantage of that. It's like a boxer that has a huge haymaker, and they just keep throwing it. Well, yeah, against some tomato cans like Rutgers, it's going to be a knockout, but against well, like Wisconsin earlier this season against Florida in the bowl game against Ohio State, those teams just take advantage of it. So there's a hope that Iowa can take advantage of it. Their running game is uh, interesting in that Makai Sargent, their leading rusher, has 300 yards um, and only two touchdowns. But as a team, uh, Sargent, Torin Young, and Tyler Goodson from Georgia – they're all over 200 yards on the season. As a team, they have almost 900 yards thus far. They're averaging five yards a carry. So um, they kind of have a three-headed monster. Stanley has a much better completion percentage so far this season. Um, he's got eight touchdowns to zero picks. He's looking really dialed in, having a nice senior year. But – uh, Matt, you mentioned that Iowa has a better defensive line. Uh, they got the names on that line with A.J. Epinesa, but so far through four games, results haven't been there. Um, just three total sacks for the team uh, this year. Excuse me, uh, five total sacks so far. Uh, that's not what Iowa fans expected uh, three interceptions so far, uh, a very, very banged up secondary injury wise. Now Michigan hasn't been the best passing of teams so far, but uh, I know Iowa fans are concerned that with the banged up secondary and for whatever reason, lack of consistent pass rush, 
Shea Patterson's going to have his coming out party. That's the worry for Iowa fans. Well, Coach, uh, is is Josh right? Uh, and should Iowa fans worry about, uh, you know, uh, about that defense not being able to get to Shea Patterson? Do you think this is the game that they finally get the ball in the hands of those talented wide receivers that they have there in Ann Arbor? No, because listen to this stat. Michigan is 10th in the Big Ten in rushing. They're only rushing for 131 yards per game. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, where is he? He's had seven carries in the last two weeks. What the heck is going on there? Michigan is starting to become one-dimensional, and they're starting to become crazy like their head coach. So <laughs> I I don't see it because I can load up on on I can load up the box and say, beat me. Boom, I'm a blitz. I'm bringing the house. Zero coverage. All right. Cover cover one, cover zero. Blitz the hell out of Shea Patterson. Say, you want to do it? You better, you better, you better beat me through the air because you're going to be one dimensional. We're coming to get you. So, um, I, I think Michigan's trending downward, um, and so I don't think it'll be a big issue. Um, also, um, Iowa is extremely disciplined. I just read this stat: they're second in the country in fewest penalties, um, and so I really like that. Uh, stat it's just I don't know why that stands out to me but that usually goes with great discipline and with great discipline you're usually in the right spot at the right time not only committing fewer penalties but just being where you're supposed to be and doing doing your job and so I really like those aspects for the Hawkeyes and that's kind of that's kind of where the edge is Michigan's in disarray right now even though they just beat up 52 to nothing on Rutgers but I mean come on it's Rutgers you know um that doesn't count. It's like Florida beating Towson. Okay, cool. Your your guys got some extra work. Great. All right, let's see what you do against a real opponent now. All right. So, um, I, I guess you kind of. I, I guess it's a great mystery where I'm where I'm leaning towards this game. <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, I, I I like the Hawkeyes here a lot. Um. But speaking of Michigan, they're 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 two greatest foes. Um, little brother and that school from the neighboring state down south are going to be facing off in Columbus this weekend, Josh. Um, Michigan State uh, comes I- into Columbus after looking, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe questionable against uh, Indiana. They got the win, but it wasn't really pr- very pretty in the process. Um, Indiana's frisky though. I mean, they they looked sharp against Northwestern and beat them by twenty one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Michigan State's an okay. Can team. Michigan State just Still. wear those god awful uniforms and just go ahead and get <laughs> fully embarrassed? Still, um, you know, the spread is basically three touchdowns on this one, Josh. Just is there any me. way that Michigan State can really keep it e- even close? What do they need to do in order to do that? I mean, uh, you know, Justin Fields looks like you know the best quarterback in America. Well, they need to dial up some amazing defense. They're going to need to have like some vintage D'Antonio defense, which they've had flashes of this year. Although the 31 points against Indiana um, doesn't necessarily hurt, help my argument. Um, and they're going to need their quarterback, Brian Lewerke, to just play out of his mind which he has. Um, he had a game against Penn State a year or two ago where 
he had like 420 passing yards and it was like his greatest day and it let Michigan State have a big upset but uh coach talked about the Wolverines kind of up and down running game well last week against Indiana Lewerke was their leading rusher which that's not a good sign because he's not exactly, exactly what you call a mobile quarterback no so that's a little bit of a concern and the Michigan State running back, Elijah Collins, he has decent stats on the year, but he's just a freshman and didn't look too hot against Indiana, their first Big Ten game. So uh, it's really going to be all on the shoulders of Lewerke. If he can find magic in a bottle, have his best game as a quarterback, and that defense – plays like I said vintage Spartan defense they got a puncher's chance but I I don't like it I don't like that it's in the horseshoe um I think there's a real possibility Michigan State's down by 38 just like Nebraska was at halftime yeah coach Justin Fields um, just through uh what what have they played four games this season five games this season yeah. Um, through five games this season, has a 1,092 yards, which, you know, that's not a ton through five games. It's, a, you know, what, 220 yards a game, give or take. But he has yeah. 16 touchdowns and no picks. It's ridiculous. I mean, and that, that, that doesn't even bring up um, or take into consideration um the seven more the 220 yards and seven touchdowns that he has on the ground he is a one-man wrecking crew right now and this is why uh you weren't on the show uh on last week when i when i proclaimed this but i i think that you know ryan day um right now after 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 lincoln riley i think ryan day might be the best offensive mind in the country right now he really is and uh Ryan Day, I apologize. I did not give you enough credit. I really he's do. a beast, man. Like he, he is, and he can do it with multiple kinds of players. And, and and it is showing his true talent is showing through. And and quite frankly, that's what he needed. This is this is exactly what he needed. Uh, he needed some. He needed that chance to get out from Urban Meyer, and and show exactly what he could do. And and he's doing that right now with Justin Fields and. And as much as it pains me to say it, because it's Ohio State, and that's a you know that's an annoying team to root for, um, for various reasons. Um, and Justin Fields kind of went out the way he went out at Georgia and left a kind of a sour taste in a lot of Georgia fans' minds. And um, but quite frankly, just strip all of that, and it is just an absolute show watching Justin Fields and watching what he's doing at Ohio State. This is the perfect offense for him. And this is the and 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 besides Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day might be the perfect coach for Justin Fields. He is for whatever reason tapped in to exactly what makes Justin Fields go and and it's just I mean it, it it's awesome. it is actually fun to watch. I I legitimately enjoyed I stayed on this blowout for a little while because a Auburn was just dismantling Mississippi state and that one was boring, but um, some blowout, not all blowouts are created equal. This one, I kind of stayed on for a little while because I was just, 
intrigued and uh a guy that played freshman ball for me at, at blackman uh the one year that i was there master teague um, yeah he's playing running back for ohio state yeah he, uh, he, looking, he, looking pretty good yeah he scored i think two or three touchdowns uh one of them was a long one he's he's uh well i'm, I'm gonna attribute that to you coach you were his running back coach weren't you uh actually no i was i was coaching the receivers then oh, well um, so, well then i'm sorry I mean, but just for credit's sake yeah i was definitely the running back coach um <laughs> now you know how you coach master teague you say, say go out there and do your thing say okay um here's the play i'm gonna be standing back here if you need me uh just wake me up before you go so i don't get in your way that's or how you coach master teague you don't want to be left hanging like a yo-yo yeah <laughs> nice um Nice wham reference. Um, yeah, so that's how you coach Master Teague as, as a freshman. Master Teague looked about like he does at Ohio State as a freshman, if you can imagine that. Um, so, but it, this, this is actually a fun team to watch. And, and I know that's an unpopular opinion uh, amongst Big Ten folks, but um, this is actually a fun team to watch. And it's going to be interesting to see come playoff time how it all shakes out between them, Oklahoma, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. You know, I, I think this is the – I think this – I know like, this sounds like a broken record, but this might actually, because Ohio State's playing so well and Oklahoma's playing so well, this might be the year that the loser of the SEC championship doesn't get in. Um, you know, like the you know, like the year that someone always gets in that doesn't win their conference. Well, okay, this, so this – might, This might be the year that, that that doesn't happen. LSU and Alabama are going to eliminate – each, one's going to eliminate the other, and the other one's going to go to the SEC title game, unless Auburn somehow gets in the mix there. Um, which you know, could happen. Which could happen. I mean, they, they could have one of the, you know, the three-way things. Alabama wins the Iron Bowl, loses to LSU. LSU loses to Auburn. Um, and it Creates this mess. Cre- creates a mess. Um, I mean, come on. It, if Ohio State's playing the way they're playing, Oklahoma's playing the way they're playing, can they can either of them be left out? But but at this no. point in the season, insofar as I can tell, there, there there are six teams that are a step above everyone else: Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU. Yeah. And after that, then you can get into talking about teams like Auburn. Um, you can get into, uh, you know, uh, a couple of the other teams around the country. But really, really, it's those six teams than everyone else. Yeah. So, um, but two of those, everyone else who want to be in for consideration are, are there in the SEC, uh, Auburn and Florida, they're going to be facing off in Gainesville this weekend, coach, um, Kyle Trask and, uh, Bo Nix, two guys who do not have a ton of seasoning between the two of them, mm-hmm. um, are both quarterbacks of top 10 SEC teams who are undefeated headed into October. Um, so I, I think this is a bit of a, a weird scenario in a, in a weird setup. It is. Um, but I, I think that, I think that Auburn is just better. Um, I think Bo Nix is way more polished. Uh, I think, I think Auburn has a true identity. I think they have shown, uh, that they can be multifaceted, um, and multidimensional with, uh, with the run game and mixing in the passes and mixing in Joey Gatewood as a change up and not having that become a distraction. 
Um, I, I think, that, you know, they're just – I think they're better coached, honestly, um, is what it boils down to. I think and, – and Gus Malzahn was somebody that, again, I, I was hammering on last year. And, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't a good mix. And I just didn't think he was a good fit for Auburn anymore because I just think that maybe his – he just had a bad mix of that bad chemistry or just some something was off about last year's team. Um, and, and that happens every once in a while. And I, and I kind of thought it was time for him to move on, but I'm pretty sure that Auburn fans are kind of like, kind of glad that they, that he didn't, but uh, you know, Jatarvius Whitlow in the run game. Um, it's fantastic. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Coach this Auburn team. This is a tough game in terms of scheduling. It, it is a tough game because, as far as scheduling. Because after this, they have a bye week. And then after the bye week, they have their biggest rival. LSU. They have not even LSU. After Florida, they have the bye week. And then they're playing not the Iron Bowl, the Bronze Bowl up in Fayetteville. No Uh. one wants a piece of Arkansas right now. I think Auburn might get caught looking two weeks ahead. They might be. Oh, good point. Good point. Pig suey. Yes. All right. <laughs> I, I love that. Okay. All right. Scratch everything I said. Gators bid. No. Um, Nick, Nick's, is, Nick's is averaging, Josh, 16 yards per pass uh, in his bad. last game. I mean, 335-yard total, two touchdowns. I'll take it. Um, they finally – like, I, I've always described Malzahn's offense as just kind of a hodgepodge of plays and not really – connected and they don't really I, f- I feel like it's just kind of like he's selecting from a Waffle House menu yes yes um, yes the, the not, Brian Ferentz offense yeah. know it well not quite the cheesecake factory menu um, <laughs> that some teams employ like uh, like uh, Ben McAdoo did for the Giants um, it's a you got it it's a picture you got to see it's pretty funny on the internet um, for those of you listening home google that um, but I, I felt like Gus Malzahn was just throwing stuff at the wall and see what's stuck. Um, but I, I finally feel like he's got some things going on. Um, I finally feel like he's kind of in a rhythm because I think out of all the quarterbacks that he's had since he's been head coach, I think Bo Nix has been – Bo Nix is turning out to be the best fit at that position. You know, Nick Marshall was a great athlete, not a, not a great thrower, um, good enough, but not quite what Malzahn wanted got to a national championship because what about, what about cam newton he wasn't the head coach then he wasn't i mean the head coach. so obviously cam newton's probably the best quarterback Miles how does gene chizik have a freaking national title it's not fair <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry to completely interrupt this with gene chizik gene chizik has a national championship and we can't take that away from him how is that even remotely possible i'm sorry go on with your day he recruited one Cameron Newton. Um, so I, I think, honestly. No, his bag man recruited yeah. Cameron oh, Newton. Whatever. However you want to however you want to see it. Um, Cam Newton ended up on at Auburn's campus, and they couldn't nail him down. So um, we could talk – we could do a whole series of shows on that. But um, but then the Jared Stidham, the Jared Stidham uh, experiment, complete bust. Jared Stidham was probably one of the worst fits for, for Malzahn. Um, the stupid uh, quarterback situation they had before that, 
just was just never worked um in between marshall and stidham that that was terrible uh and then finally now they got bo nix and just look at him go i mean this i, f- I feel like bo nix is a is a fit so um florida is just they're okay uh in the rushing attack i don't think kyle trask will ever face a defensive line this good the closest he'll come is georgia in the uh cocktail party uh but auburn i think has got one of them if not if if not the most talented defensive line in the country one of them for sure um they I, I want to uh, I want to see Florida though prove it cuz they're averaging 8 points allowed per game. That looks pretty good. They shut out Tennessee Martin. Okay. They shut out Towson. Okay. I was talking about, I was talking they, about Auburn. How do they get Martin and Towson on their schedule? I don't know. They held Tennessee to 3 points. Mm, okay. Like Mi- Miami's Rutgers. not very good. 20 points. Kentucky 21 points. Miami uh, like my, does yeah. Florida have the defense to to I, slow I, Auburn? I feel like I feel like with Florida they don't have the depth right now to run through an SEC schedule. Um I I feel like they were taken almost taken a task by Kentucky. Um and they haven't even got to the meat of the SEC schedule yet. This will be a good litmus test to see exactly where Florida is both offensively and defensively it'll be a good test to see okay is all the hype about Kyle Trask legitimate uh, okay it is uh, Michael Piran is he as good as we thought he was going to be uh, okay he hasn't quite been is Jabari Zuninga and CJ Henderson Freddie uh, are, are they are, are they good on defense you know are, are are they true to what they've been their stats have been showing, or is it just because they've played Towson and UT Martin and a very weak Miami and, and a uh, extremely weak Tennessee who is in complete shambles right now. Um, they've, they've, they're calling their head coach who's in four o'clock in the morning and asking him to try to bail them out um, of getting arrested, you know, stuff like that. I don't know if you saw that story. Jeremy Pruitt is on, a, they released tape of a body cam of one of the Knoxville cops and Jeremy Pruitt's talking to him and questioning why. And he says, um, I've been to four other places and I've, I haven't seen no crap like this. So, <laughs> What's well, okay I mean, though? Jeremy Pruitt got the uh, vote of confidence this week. He did. So he did. Yeah. That, that's dangerous. Um, so Fulmer is about to drive that knife right between the shoulder blades. So, um, so we'll see. Honestly, we'll we'll see what Florida's defense. If, if they come out and they show out this week, then I'll start to believe some of the hype. Um, if 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 Auburn's D comes out and shows out, then I'll really start to believe the hype on them. Um, if Bo Nix comes out and lights up the Gators, we might have a SEC West race, folks. The Iron Bowl might be interesting this year. Um, the LSU game will get really interesting if if Auburn comes up and lights up the Gators. So, and definitely, it's going to be fireworks in the Bronze Bowl. Oh, show! <laughs> so, um, I, I really, I'm really, really intrigued by this game. Um, and I've probably made it no secret 
where I'm leaning. Um, <laughs> you did the same tease for Iowa. I know. It's, this, it's the same situation, the same scenario. Um, just go look at my Twitter. You'll see. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I like Auburn to win this one and possibly win it big. All right. Um, well, uh, let's head, Josh, quickly over to the Cal versus Oregon game. Like I mentioned before, Cal lost um, not only their first game of the season, but also their starting quarterback. And that is going to be uh, a pretty big problem. Chase Garbers had been playing really well so far this season for the Bears. He uh, was replaced in the second half last week by Devin Monster, who proceeded to go five for 14 for hold up 23 yards. That is mm. 1.6 yards per attempt. Um, uh, five for 14 with an interception, obviously no touchdowns, 23 yards. Um, Caldi is amazing. Evan Weaver is a revelation at linebacker, but, uh, you know, I, do you think there's a chance that, you know, the week of practice being the starting quarterback will help monster the UCLA transfer enough that they will be able to put up a fight against Oregon or is it just, you know, um, going to be too much of an uphill battle for the golden bears? I think there's a slight chance. Um, Yes, he was atrocious coming off the bench against Arizona State. Uh, ASU does have a good defense, though. Uh, we should give them credit for that. Um, if you look at Devin Monster's career prior to that game, though, he, he played quite a bit in 2017. Um, he ended up 30 of 45, 66.7 completion percentage. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he did all right. Um, and then when you look at those games, all right, we'll throw out the Utah, Washington, and Hawaii games. Uh, that was kind of basically just mop-up duty and some blowouts. Uh, but he did play the Cal and Kansas State games quite a bit. Got a lot of action in there. Against Cal, um, back in 2017, like you said, Matt, he was a transfer. That's why I'm not losing it. I understand he could have played Cal in 2017, but he went 14 of 18 that game, 191 yards against Kansas State back in that Cactus Bowl, 21 of 34 for 295 yards. He's shown some flashes a few years ago. Get the week of practice. You're knowing you're starting. You're doing all your reps with Team One, and he's not going against a defense as good as Arizona State's. So there's a chance that he comes out and plays all right. I think the bigger issue just is it's Autzen Stadium, A Bears playing pretty good football. Oregon overall, I think, is playing pretty good football. I think this would have been a tough task for the Bears, even with QB1. Um, but I think Mazur will play at least better than he did a week ago. Uh, Coach. Um, you know, you are obviously for a long time, as all of us have been a, a big fan of Justin Wilcox. Um, what does he do to slow down uh, Justin Herbert and the rest of that Oregon offense? Well, I, I just think 
that he mixes coverages. Um, he brings pressures and different types of uh, disguises, you know, different types of disguises, uh, not only with the coverages, but the pressures as well. Um, I think Wilcox is very uh, – not, not enough defensive coordinators, not enough defensive minds get credit for being creative with – uh, stunts and pressures, but I think Wilcox is somebody that has proven that he can do that. Even against uh, veteran quarterbacks, he was able to um, shake up the all Mister Everything Jacob Eason um, at at Washington. Um, he was able to to go into old. That's because it was one fifteen in the morning, and Eason's used to partying <laughs> at that time, not actually playing football. Yeah, that that is that is true, but. No, uh, but what Wilcox can do is he can get pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't want to say exotic because that's just like a that's like a like that's a lame word. But um, he gets creative with with his pressures, and I think that's kind of what he does. Just just for whatever whatever he can do to confuse Herbert, um, and whatever you can do to confuse those five guys up front, because that's what matters even more. Because um, if you can't protect Herbert, it's going to be hard for Herbert to throw on the run or a bear. Herbert's going to turn into a bear um, <laughs> if they don't protect well enough. And if you bring some confusing stuff for those five guys, you're going to have to dedicate six, seven guys into protection that limits your route coverage. And you could really just start to kind of overload things and snowball things, uh, create disruptive plays, uh, havoc plays, which are turnovers, uh, things like that. Um, some, some things you can do in a nutshell. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, gents, let's quickly hit our spread formations to finish out the show. Um, Josh, since you led the spread formations last week, um, they are not going to count in the official standings because coach did not get to pick. Um, Also, because you went three and seven and I went two and eight. What? um, In the 10 games we chose. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. I went 10 and up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well coach didn't hear it so you might as well have anyway we start this week with uh honestly the game i am most excited about in the entire slate of games this entire weekend josh you mentioned jeff munkin mm-hmm. earlier in the show i mentioned willie fritz well they're facing off this weekend yeah. west point New York over under 43 and a half points two lane two and a half point favorites on the road these two teams are mirror images of each other Josh what do you like here well two lane last time out had that incredible comeback win against Houston they're a really fun team they're a really improving program but I don't think they're 100% there yet. Army has very clearly arrived 10 wins a year ago. Came super close to beating Michigan this year. They are clicking. They look Should really good. Should have beat good. Oklahoma last year. Yeah. They, um, they have a sneaky good home field advantage because, like, there's just so much pomp and circumstance with playing at West Point. And on top of that um, – the American conference has some weird start times and Tulane uh, has a fair number of night games, especially early in the year um, because of the humidity and stuff. And they no longer play in the dome for people that I don't know why they wouldn't know that if they're listening to this <laughs> detailed podcast, but who knows? Um, well, not the case. Noon start 
early game in West Point, I'm going to take Army because I think they're going to win. Coach? Wow, what a good explanation. I'm going to go with the simple one. Um, I'm not going to cop out and take the over-under. Um, I'm going to take Tulane at minus two and a half. Um, I just really like the way they're playing ball right now. Willie Fritz, I think, is a little bit more dynamic. Um, and I think Army's kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but this is the battle of the former uh, Georgia Southern Eagles coaches. So uh, give me the give me Jeff Monken's successor at Georgia Southern to uh, to win for Tulane. Two of Tulane's uh, assistants played for Monken at Georgia Southern. Hmm. Oh. This is a uh, th- this is just a game of just teams that know each other so well. Um, I love Tulane, but I, I I'm actually with Josh on this one. I think Army wins this one outright, so I will also get those two and a half points as well on my side. Um, let's head next uh, back to the Big Twelve, where Baylor. Uh, heads up to uh, the Little Apple to take on Kansas State, who are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home after losing uh, to Oklahoma State last week by 13. Over under here, 49, Josh. I love Kansas State here for several reasons. First of all, they beat Mississippi State. They start getting some nice clippings, they get ranked, and they go down to Stillwater and lay an absolute dud. Eight first downs, one of 13 on third. 244 total passing yards, 100 or total yards, 118 passing yards, a 5.1 yard per pass average. Um, terrible. More penalties, more penalty yards, and a turnover. They were atrocious. I think that is good. I think they had a very productive bye week, to say the least. Um, And as a result, I like them from that standpoint. From Baylor's standpoint, they had a joke of a non-conference schedule, Stephen F. Austin, Texas San Antonio, and Rice. And then basically did Iowa State dirty. And even with that, gave up 21 uh, fourth quarter points to almost lose the game and really could have, and maybe even should have lost the game. Love Kansas state in this situation. Coach, how about you? Ooh. um, So what I want to happen is I want Kansas state to just ground and pound them um, all the way back to Waco. Um, What I think will happen it's just that. Yeah, I, I like Kansas State to just bludgeon Baylor um, to death. I'm going to take Kansas State in the minus one and a half. Um, even though it's a Big 12 game, um, I'm going to go ahead here and take the under. I'm going to go ahead and take under 49. Um, uh, don't really have a huge explanation on this one other than the fact that I think that both of these teams um, – with Matt Rule at Baylor, they haven't been airing it out quite as much as they, they used to. They just extended him. 
I mean, you know, given the circumstances, he's done a good job. Yeah. Like, I understand why they extended him. Um, I, I just think that this one is going to be a low-scoring affair. So give me the under. Um, uh, let's head then over to the Pac-12, Josh. Uh, the Buffs of Colorado, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home against uh, Arizona. Uh, they, I guess they will be bearing down on the Buffaloes. <laughs> uh, Over-under here, 61-and-a-half. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, uh, I'm leaning Colorado's way. First of all, game in Buffalo territory, playing at altitude. Arizona, kind of diminishing returns. Um, lost to Hawaii and then had the bounce back sort of, 65-41 over Northern Arizona. And then beat a pretty pedestrian Texas Tech team, 20-14, and then beat a really pedestrian UCLA team. <laughs> by just a field goal. That's an affront uh, to people who walk places. Yeah. Uh, Colorado coming off their victory down there at Arizona State, who has a pretty good defense like we've talked about. And for two teams that I don't know a whole lot about, I do know that Colorado has Steven Montez. I think he's by far the best player in this game. So I'm going to go with Colorado. Coach? Josh, nice, nice analysis. I'm going to go with the buffs too. Everything you just said, I like a minus four and a half. Um, I, too, like Colorado. I, too, am not impressed with Arizona. Um, and I happen to think that uh, Colorado is just uh, a more talented and, at this point, better coach team. I am worried about Kevin Sumlin. And uh, as for the over-under here, honestly, I have no idea. Um, I, the, I I could see Colorado winning this one like 24 to 17. I could also see it being a game where both teams score in, in the mid to upper 40s. Um, let's stick in the Pac-12, though. Um, this time we've got the road team, uh, a 16.5 point favorite. Uh, it's the Washington Huskies head to the farm. Um, over under here, Josh, is 51.5. Uh, who do you like? Well... Road favorites by 16 and a half is alarming. And Stanford has played some pretty poor football to say the least. And I think it's safe to say that this is just going to be one of those years where a good team and a good coach just have a bad season. Having said that 16 and a half at home at a 9.30 p.m. Pac-12 after dark type game? Uh, I'm going to trust some Stanford magic at the farm. I don't think they win, but I think they can cover. Coach? Yeah, I'm, I've been going back and forth on this one. I've had a hard time with it because I just, I, I just, keep, stan I just keep thinking that Stanford's going to bust out of this and, like, not suck so bad. Um, <laughs> I have no a hard KJ, time believing No that. KJ Costello again this week. I know. and that's yeah, David, David me, Mills looked really good against Oregon State, though. That's making me lean towards Washington. They only beat them by three, and it's Oregon State. Oregon yeah, State! Yes, but, they you know. It, yeah, it was up in Corvallis. You know what? Um, you know what? When was the last time it was tough? To, honestly, when, like we 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 love we love Corvallis. We love oh, it, 
We're gonna take. When was the last time it was honestly tough to play? In it, nev- it, it, it never stopped being tough. It was, it's like oh, a big give me boy. a break. USC in two thousand eight. Was it even two thousand and eight? Like, well, look. I, I mean, yes, it was a close game by the final score, but David Mills individually played really well. The reason it was so close was Oregon State put together twenty-one fourth-quarter points. Um. It was – I mean, I don't I mean, want to say – Davis Mills is – don't don't get me wrong. Like, a very highly touted yeah. quarterback quarterback prospect, at least coming out of high school. But, I don't know, this – I'm not yeah. terribly happy with the product I'm seeing if I am a Cardinal fan right no. now. No, but, I, I mean, look – giving Stanford a tad bit of benefit of the doubt without having watched a second of this game because it was Oregon State and Stanford. Stanford's a 21 nothing late in the third quarter. They're probably playing in a stadium that is three-quarters empty. They probably just took their foot off the gas, and Oregon State strung together some nice drives, and then Stanford – yeah, they they had to win it late with the Jet Toner field goal, but I, I don't know. I I wouldn't use the Oregon State game as your total result. No, I'm I'm not trying to. I'm just saying that you know, um, I don't. Know, I, I guess we haven't even gotten to your pick yet. So go ahead and uh, you, yeah, you're you're taking Stanford, coach. Yeah. Who are you taking? Taking. I'll, I'll go ahead and take Washington. I think they win by twenty. Okay. Um, I'm going to take Stanford, Josh. I'm actually with you on this. <laughs> so I don't even know why we're arguing. I, I'm digging Stanford anyway. There we uh, go. Um, I just, I guess I wanted to be devil's advocate a little bit too much. Um, lastly, um, we, we, we needed to put them back in their uh, honorable, in, in the honorable last, play, last slot in spread formations. Is Rutgers uh, off this week? Uh no, uh Rutgers this week actually is um who is Rutgers playing this week? I can't remember off top of my head. Um they are playing Ooh, Rutgers and Maryland. Maryland. Um Ooh. couldn't find a great line on that game. It looks to be at about 12 and a half or 13 for Maryland, but Whenever you, you see someone as a 32 point favorite on the well, road, I mean, it's really conference. easy though. It's really easy though to, to discuss Maryland. They'll either score 70 points or zero points. So I guess you're going to take the over in the Maryland Rutgers <laughs> game, is what I'm hearing. Sure. Because I don't think Rutgers can give up zero points to anyone. Their defense is a sieve. True. Yeah. So, anyhow, um, yeah, Oklahoma, 32-point favorites at the track in Kansas, Josh. Over under 67.5, probably just for Oklahoma. Um, Les Miles, can you pull some magic off against Boomer Sooner? Uh, unfortunately, no. Can he keep it to closer um, than 32? Unfortunately, No. Um, Alas. So Kansas 
beat BC. That was nice. They got to two and one on the year. Uh, lost kind of a mini heartbreaker to West Virginia, and then they got obliterated by TCU. Um, their starting running back, Khalil Herbert, um, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> Dismissed <laughs> from the Goodbye. team. Um, so you all the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah. Kansas is returning to form in pretty spectacular fashion. Uh, I would say they're waiting for basketball season, but I think they're just waiting for uh, basketball penalties to be announced. Um, give me Oklahoma and give me the over because of the damage Oklahoma is about to do. Coach. So here's what happens. Kansas reinstalled the track. <laughs> Jalen Hurts during warmups, he tries to run across the track, slips, breaks a couple of spikes on his cleats, almost turns his ankle, right? Okay, so he goes back in the locker room. He's pissed. He comes out and puts up 500 yards and six touchdowns on the Jayhawks. <laughs> Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner, coach. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, they would have covered that against Texas Tech last week. I mean, that was a home game still. Jalen Hurts ah. covered that by himself. Yeah, I'm I, I'm just going to go ahead and take the over here. Um, I mean, gosh. Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma should be up by 32 at halftime. It's still Dude. Kansas. Oh, I want to take Oklahoma and, uh, and the over. Yeah, I'm going to do take it. Em. Okay, take why em. not? Take them. Why not? Take okay. Em. Take them. Here we go. Don't be scared. Boomer Sooner, Lincoln Riley. I, I, I'm all in. I know I've been praising Ryan Day a lot, but don't worry. You're still you're, you're still number one to me when it comes to offensive play calling. Number Ooh. one in your program or number one in your heart? <laughs> My heart of hearts. There you go. Josh, did we miss anything? Uh, no, ironically, we're not. Um, <laughs> Arkansas is on the bye week, so no bearing the lead. And you already uh, mentioned them earlier in the show. I, well, that's how you knew that they were on the bye week. Uh, so I'll just give a shout out to SMU Ponies, nationally ranked for the first time since the death penalty. Um, very, 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 very good chance to get it to 6 and 0 as they are at home against a rather mediocre 2 and 2. Tulsa team um, also wonderful uniforms for them in uh, yeah. their last game yeah so that's a great story um, two Mountain West red hot hot seat coaches in desperate need for a win the one and four fighting Bobos host the three and one San Diego State uh, team little mini upset there maybe that gets the Rams go in the right direction. Well, I don't do you, see but, it. but do you think and, that do you think that uh, Rocky Long is on the hot seat? No, he's won uh, multiple conference titles yeah, there. Me neither. I, um, so he's fine. Uh, the other, the, the other, yeah, the other coach on the hot seat, desperate need of a win. Uh, Tony Sanchez's UNLV running Rebs. They host Boise I Bo- State. I think it'd be a relief for Bobo to get fired at this point. He just—he <laughs> looks bad. I mean, seriously. They should. Uh, what? What is it? Mutually, mutually agree to part ways, or whatever the, the the legal term becomes. Yeah, I mean, he he looks 
bad. Yeah, he needs he needs a year or two to just go somewhere and he needs to not go to, be he, there. He needs to go back to Georgia, be an analyst for a couple of years, and then move on or move up or whatever. Yeah, but those I mean, two. Honestly, he's got five kids. He's got to you know, be a dad for. They're all like almost the same age. They're all like really close in age. Yeah. Crazy. Poor guy. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight here, gentlemen. So the dogs go to Knoxville. Yeah, they, they do. Um, I'm assuming that they will uh, fare at least as well as, as uh, their in-state compatriots did. Well, yes. you know, hopefully better. While, while talking about uh, cupcakes, uh, Wisconsin and LSU both mm, stepping cupcakes. out of conference with uh, Utah State for the Bayou Bengals and the Kent State Golden Flashes for the Badgers. Kent State is just what the doctor ordered after a mediocre showing against Northwestern. Yeah, well. One of the many, many, many games I picked incorrectly last week. Well, you know, this wouldn't be the first Kent State massacre. Oh, that somehow was, uh, too soon yet not too soon uh, that was terrible i feel bad i i couldn't actually resist. i actually probably will i actually probably will edit that out but <laughs> that was dude that was brutal <laughs> i mean can't say massacre joke that is, that is not one you hear every day yeah. well it's funny because they actually had one i feel like doing green one i mean that's just cliche and making fun of the president but well kelly and conway but but literally going with <laughs> maybe uh, maybe before the end of the year, if next time Sam Allinger has a really big win, I'll I'll be like, there hasn't been someone sniping people like this in Texas since <laughs> the guy went up on the clock tower. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen any wait, 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 I haven't on. seen anything implode. In the tri-state area like Rutgers football since 9-11. <laughs> oh. I haven't seen a quarterback this accurate in the DMV since oh, what was it? Since, since the uh since the parking lot sniper. <laughs> God. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, that bad? The, the Tennessee volunteers this week, they haven't had a Lopsided loss like this since the Alamo. Oh, God. <laughs> God almighty. <sighs> and we're off the rails, sir. We're off the rails. rails. Yabba dabba doo! We left the rails a long time ago. Oh, wow. um, okay. by, the way, by the way, the East Carolina game is still going on because they had about a 15 to 20 minute delay because the lights randomly went out in the stadium. <laughs> Duh. They had to do the Jurassic Park pump the the thing three times and get it back to her dog. Oh I don't know God. why there are still fans at this game. <laughs> like, there has to be bars in Greenville, East Carolina, right? There has to be. One would think. No, not, not necessarily, though. There's a Buffalo Wild Wing somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> is there not did i get that wrong i mean probably not 
ECU. East Carolina. Yeah. East Carolina players. They got the onside kick, but it didn't go ten yards. Did a Temple player <sighs> touch this? Brutal. Oh come on, eighty. Is that a tight end on the hands team? You know the rules. Hands team, all tight ends off the field. Idiot. The Temple player was standing nine yards down the field and leaned over to try and pick up the onside kick. Oh, what a dunce. Yeah. By the way, while the game was going on, at one point, East Carolina had a fourth and ten. They went for it. Uh, The quarterback, like, rushed out of the pocket and had a nice three-yard scramble. (laughs) On fourth and ten. Yeah, not not the play I think that they drew up. No. No, not usually what you're going for there. No. Unfortunately for him. No. Um I don't know if 10 points to Temple's enough to be considered a moral victory, but ECU scrapped hard at times. They look way better now than they ever did against their previous. Is like the uh, they look way better now than they ever did under their previous coach. Well, on that note, I think it's time to end tonight's show. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in the Music City, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is The Professor in Nashville saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Yabba-dabba-doo! Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.